You're listening to the Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we have probably the most special episode I think we've ever had. It's the first time we have a minister coming in to discuss what we do every day, what we love talking about, urban infill, development, property in every single space. And we're very lucky to have the Minister for Transport and the Minister for Planning, the Honourable Rita Safiotti. Rita, thank you so much for coming in. I'm sh- it means so much to me, but also to the thousands of listeners we now have to them as well. Yeah, good morning to everyone. This is another exciting opportunity to talk about WA and Perth and all the exciting opportunities that are in front of us. And I think at this time where there's a lot of activity in the housing market, I think everyone's very excited to look to the future and what we can continue to work on to create great places for people to live. Well, the cool thing about that is you're in charge of it, really. When it comes to transport and planning, they sit hand in hand, right? You have a big hand in telling us where the next place we're going to be living or facilitating the people that are living in places already, how their lives are going to be improved through transport or better housing opportunity. How are you finding this role as minister for both of these portfolios? For me, you're probably the most visible minister because you're making such a difference for the first time. I look up to a minister who's actually getting something done. How are you finding the role? Oh, I love it. The planning portfolio, I describe it as a creative portfolio in the fact that you're facilitating great outcomes. So it's challenging because everyone's got views on what looks good or what should be built here and there, but also the ability to create new places and exciting places for people to live. And of course, transport and planning go very well together. Metronet, I've just been out on site to see some more work being undertaken. Metronet gives us, in a sense, the canvas and the new stations, the redevelopment of existing stations, give us the canvas for future housing opportunities. And one of the things I've always said to as planning minister, you don't start from scratch. You inherit a lot of existing approvals or existing schemes or existing planning zones and so forth. So you're really working with what you have and then trying to build on that. If you want to change direction or develop a direction, you do that in a sense with process that you've inherited plus the new initiatives. You just mentioned MetroNet. Quick little bonus question, insider information for everyone listening. Where's the airport train station at? That's probably the one that's the furthest along, right? Yeah. We're a little bit behind, obviously, if things happened under the river yeah. uh, where are we at when are we going to get a station the uh, expectation or the forecast is that it will start operating by the end of this year I was out at Redcliffe station and that work is well underway and of course the Forestfield or High Wycombe stations very much now nearly completed so the stations are very much on their way and the tunnel rectification works have been completed so that project's exciting creates Redcliffe creates a new of course opportunity for development around that station and so does High Wycombe. High Wycombe, slightly different in the nature of that station, but new opportunities for housing developments around there. It seems there are so many opportunities. These train stations, especially the High Wycombe one, they changed the fabric of the suburb that's been around for decades. Just a suburb that really had no relevance in a lot of ways to the city. A lot of people that lived there probably didn't work in the city. They probably didn't work around the airport or FIFO. And now they're going to have that massive opportunity. So I think that creates, and that's exactly why you have transport and planning because you sit across both and they affect each other. Yeah. So in in developing our new stations, we are concentrating on the planning around those stations. So we're looking at where we should have residential further commercial opportunities 
And so when you look at High Wycombe, like I said, opportunity for a number of new developments. Redcliffe, and that's slightly different because you've got a lot of existing landowners with different ownership structures. Then you go Bayswater. Bayswater is an exciting one where you have a lot of government assets, a lot of council assets, opportunities that can be leveraged from that and an opportunity there to develop far more infill that's close to a very good station or will be a brilliant station. So in, in developing our plans for the stations, we're really trying to make sure that we plan well around those stations and when we come to the actual infrastructure, try and incorporate as many connections up front and whether they be pedestrian, cycling, road, bus connections up front. So again, we're not going back and retrofitting pedestrian paths, which I know has been an issue for many of the northern suburbs train stations. People might buy in proximity of of course, you've got the freeway to contend with, but still, and but don't have those pedestrian and cycling connections, and that's something we're very keen to rectify in our new stations. Well, it sounds like you're sort of answering the next question I've got. Really, the way I'd pose it to you is, if I was your magic genie and I said, Minister, you've got at least 10 more years in this portfolio, no one's voting you out, you're definitely in, what would be your biggest achievement challenge for that next decade is it metronet making sure it happens properly well it's the delivery of the infrastructure and then the activity and housing around it you know my perfect scenario would be a new station be it Bayswater be it the new stations that will be built as part of our level crossing removal through Victoria Park where we're going to be rebuilding a new Carlisle and Oates train station that we create places where we've had a lot of underutilized land a lot of vacant land and a mix of very old industrial Neglected spaces. Neglected spaces. And my vision would be very exciting new places where people are living. There's activity outside, there's new retail and commercial opportunities. And you've got a train station in the centre of a residential hub where you have activity and people flowing to and from their homes to the train station. They're sort of the vision that I'd like to try and develop and facilitate. And basically, you know, we have to house a growing population and it's about where do we put people and how do we make sure that they have great lives and great connections. Well, that is the whole theme of this podcast is that median density play in Western Australia. And that's why you guys have developed in conjunction with WAPC, you know, all the relevant departments, the draft median density code. Now, whenever things change or whenever there's a new document about this sort of stuff, people get a bit nervous because a lot of the time, especially if it's coming from local government, it's things that are happening to help people, but also sometimes hindering people. Can you give us an explanation? This is a a lot of it's really clarification on what we've already got, but also there's some new incentives. What are people losing? What are people being incentivized to do? Is there a really easy way you can explain the point of this thing? Well, I think it's to create more flexibility in what you develop as part of medium density and a wider range of medium density. So the policy is really trying to address, in a sense, some of the criticisms of the past. And the criticisms of the past have been in relation to the medium ring and the wholesale subdivision of blocks. If you look at a block from the sky, all you see is roof lines. You're looking at the front, it's three very similar or identical three by twos, four by twos, and no urban canopy loss of trees. So we want diversity in our housing supply. And that is another key thing that what medium density is trying to do is trying to reintroduce or make sure that we keep some urban canopy in in infill developments. 
it's about creating a diversity of housing supply. So there may be the ability to have the bed sitter together with the three by two and a variety of housing supply. I think the other point, and I'd I think it's pretty dear to me is a whole issue of intergenerational housing and the fact that we have to be far more flexible of how we deal with how we grow as a community. I know now like a lot of late teens and early 20s are still at home and it's about how your housing situation can change over time to allow your kids in their 20s to be in their same area with space but also your parents and your grandparents as well. So there's all of that aspect. So in relation to the medium density, it's, it's trying to define the garden, the, the built form and how the developments relate to their neighbours. And that's pretty much what it's intended to do. Okay. So as you've noticed, we've pretty much got a well-defined number of options right now when it comes to medium density. We've got the side-by-side development. We've got the triplex or something a bit more extrapolated from that. And we've got apartment buildings. So that is pretty much uniform across most of the councils, the way it's zoned, mainly R30, R40, R60 sort of stuff. This draft is adding some incentives there, especially to amalgamate yeah. a couple of maybe triplex blocks, you might call them. Yeah. And the point is not to have six different sets of gardens, but maybe try and build something a bit different. Absolutely. Um, I think medium density, and we're seeing it in some of the new housing developments in this new suburb. So if you go to Ellenbrook, Brabham, in there in my electorate, so I see them quite a bit. And what you're seeing is a very good medium density product because you're starting with a white, a bigger area. You're starting from scratch Black on a greenfield. Exactly. Yeah. So what you see, and I've seen Bennett Springs actually, Mervac did a very good development and then new Bennett Springs development where again, like the two-story ta- attached townhouses with a park across the road, very neat, very livable. So what we're seeing is in the greenfields, we're seeing that product being developed very well and what we're trying to do is assist that in the redevelopment areas so that means if we get block amalgamation you'll get some possible density bonuses and also gives you the ability to have I think a better outcome. So I think the bigger blocks give you the better flexibility to provide that diversity in the housing choice, but also the double storey t- attached you know, downtown houses seem to work really well. Is it the terrace housing? Is it, is this, if I could really just give yeah, it a name, is it terrace, terrace housing, housing you're yes, trying to bring I, I suspect, in? yeah. And the other thing about terrace housing and all of this, all the similar type housing is how it fits into the neighbourhood or into the precinct too. It's also making sure that where you have a park, that you might be more flexible in what's built across that park too. So it's all about really trying to replicate maybe what we did many, many years ago. And the discussion about medium density is interesting because as we know, that you know, there's a lot of medium density that exists through some of the older suburbs. We sort of lost that along the way. Now I think we're trying to recreate some of those opportunities that we lost and, and what we saw, and this is a tension. It's a tension between a landowner and the community in a sense. This is constantly the challenge of planning. The landowner who wants to reap as much you know, profit. profit. Yeah, it's a balance between profit and those holistic outcomes it's, the rest of us want to see. And that's what planning always is. Yeah. And that's the, and that's why it's a very challenging situation because when you're limiting or providing direction of what can be done on a block, you're limiting, uh, you know, potentially... The creativity, s- yeah. yeah. Someone's uh, ability to make as much money as possible. But then you also have to say, well... This is about a whole community and this is not just about today. It's not about tomorrow. It's about the next generation. So that's the constant challenge, but it's trying to, again, 
make sure we have more housing choice for everybody. So you spoke about providing a bit more detail around the green space. Is this going to kill the triplex generation the way that we see it today? Is it what you're looking for really are changes to setbacks, outdoor living area, trees and whatnot? The reality is for a lot of people who are doing triplexes and a lot of setbacks in situ at the moment. So if we're putting those in, it forces people to go townhouses or terrace houses. Or change the size of the house and the nature of the house as well. So okay. again, so that's going to be the bit of the, bit of the trade-off. Um, we've done some economic studies too. In all of our changes, I ask for an economic analysis to be undertaken. So we did a number of case studies, including architects and builders, to go through what was possible on particular sites. I think we tested nine different sites. And we're talking about the Nolamaras and you know, yeah, you're, you're cookie cutter sites. You're exactly. seven, a quarter of an acre, you're sixth of an acre, exactly. are 40 so, blocks. Yep. So we took all those types of sites and said, this is what you can do now. And this is what you can do in the future to test the economic viability of the Is it actually incentivizing financially? Exactly. Whether yeah. it's still possible to be done. So, And we use both the architects but also the builders because, again, I know there's always the tension of what's architecturally able to be done and what's actually pragmatically can you do from yeah. a building point financially, of view. Financially, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. And it came very, very positive in particular because of the diversity of the housing supply and also the fact that you get some more flexibility in what you might be able to do and it might be able to add in potentially for example another unit if depending on the type of development so the financial analysis came back very positive and that's why we've gone ahead with the policy of course that policy is out for public consultation now and that public consultation finishes in april so if there's any deal breakers or things that people are very very concerned about we'll be able to work those through in developing the final policy okay so for a bit of confidence of people regardless of how much of this is taken up by the state if april is the date where people can have their say what would be the time frame when it all starts to come in well one of the things we're very keen to make sure we don't do is disrupt what is a very busy housing market (laughs) so uh, we know building activity is at record levels And so one of the things we're very careful of, and that's why we've let this consultation happen to April, is that any implementation date takes into consideration the fact that the building market is so hot at the moment. So we'll test what our implementation date will be, but there will be a transition time to ensure that not overnight in April, May. Like a grace period, maybe? Okay, because you can imagine there might be someone who has just bought a project site looking to assist in urban infill somewhere in, let's say, Duncraig, for example. They just want to do a, a triplex and then overnight, halfway through their development application, oh, rules have changed and everything goes out the window. I'm guessing that we're that, a bit pragmatic about that. Very, very much so. I also want to make the point about medium density too because I think this is an important point that if the state government doesn't set consistent standards... We're going to see different rules across every suburb. So we've already seen that in relation to, for example, the urban canopy issue. We've seen every city develop different ideas or different changes. So, Well, that leads me into my segue yep. to the last question. Yeah. What is your opinion of the fact that we have, what, 38, 40, something like that, councils? They've all got their own local housing strategies, their own design guidelines. In a perfect world, would there just be one state guideline? <laughs> well, I would say this. The reason we've got apartment guidelines and also the medium density, one of the reasons is also to have more consistency. So one side of the road isn't completely different to the other side of the road when you're talking about some developments. So more consistency is also underpinning the medium density code. So from a developer point of view, and I also think for a landowner point of view, it's much better to have some consistency. What we've seen and we continue to see is that the state tries to develop these statewide policies 
and we try and take into consideration many of the issues that different councils or different communities have. We also, of course, administer our schemes and also, in particular, scheme amendments. And what we don't want to see is the intent of many of these plans and programs being undermined by other policies or strategies of local government. You know that they are though, right? It continues to be something we're watching. In respect for medium density, we're making sure that if councils want to differ on key things, they have to get their YPC approval and can't unilaterally do those sort of things. You've spoken about the fact that you inherit policies. There is stuff that's 10 years old energy design guidelines that haven't been updated or they're just specific to one powerful councillor pushing this whole thing through in one council and that just sits on top Frankenstein in your policy. Yeah, and I think what happens too is people lose confidence with the planning system. Yes. So people think it might be cute or clever when councillors undermine statewide policies but it actually undermines people's confidence because through scheme amendments through these planning policy there is consultation there's expectations and then as a landowner if you've got 20 local planning policies that apply to your block together with any other policy that may be apply it's really impossible to work out what you can and can't do on your own block because you've got your scheme, you've got local planning policies, you've got state planning policies, you've got the design WA suite of documents. It becomes nearly impossible. So Maybe all- I should give you a list and, uh, and it can be a to-do list for your oh. <laughs> local design guidelines to scrap. Well, as I said, as part of the medium density uh, plan it is to create more consistency and limiting where local planning policies can apply and what they can apply to. Minister, thank you so much for time talking about this draft medium density. Also, a little bit about yourself as well. It's been really, really fruitful for myself and I know the listeners have been screaming out for a, a little bit more when it comes to what the state thinks about this. Uh, Thank you so much for your time and I really hope you can come in soon again to chat further in detail about urban expansion, urban infill and those sort of things. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!